Hey there, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of our sermon podcast. In Melbourne Heights, we are growing closer to God together, and right now we're trying to grow closer to God by taking a deeper look at some of the stories from Jesus' life, his ministry, his miracles, and his teachings. And this week, we're taking a look at what can be one of the most confusing stories from Jesus' entire time on this earth, and that's the story of his baptism. But even though the story of Jesus' baptism can be a little head scratching, it still has a lot to teach us about who God is and how we can better follow him. So let's get right to the sermon. Last week as we started into the first Sunday of 2019, I started the sermon by showing you some old pictures of myself, and I thought that I would show you some more pictures to get us started this morning. But this morning I'm not going to pull out old pictures to embarrass myself or my daughter this week, she got on me afterwards about showing pictures of her with macaroni on her face. But instead, I thought I would show you some pictures this morning of some well-known people, some of the most well-known people in the world when they were just kids, okay? So we're going to show you some baby pictures of some celebrities, and I want you to see if you can guess who these celebrities are, okay? So we're going to start with the first picture. David's going to put it up there. All right, now who do you think this cute little fella right here is? Now you may not be able to tell just from the picture, so I'm going to give you some hints to help you out along the way. Now you can see that this cute little guy is holding a football in his hand, but I'll go ahead and tell you that he's not famous for anything that he did on the gridiron, although he did make a movie called Gridiron Gang. What he's most famous for these days are his starring role inside of action films. But what he was initially made famous for was his ability to raise his eyebrow. All right? Anybody know who that guy is? Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. We'll go ahead and put his picture up there. All right, that's pretty good for the first one. Now let's try the next one. We'll put her picture up there. All right, who do you think this cute little girl is? A couple of hints about her. She has had several high-profile parts over the last 20 years of her career, and her most recent role released on Netflix a few weeks back where she, played, where she played a former beauty queen. But she is best known and will probably always be best known for one iconic role she played in the 90s and a particular hairstyle that she had. Anybody know who she is? Jennifer Aniston, most famous for her Rachel haircut. All right, one more picture, and I've got to tell you, this one's my favorite in the bunch. That cute little guy with all that curly red hair going on. All right, any ideas who this guy is? Now, this may be a little bit tricky for you because in his last two projects, he hasn't played anybody with red hair. In his last two projects, or his last two most high-profile projects, he's played a graying sorcerer and a furry green monster. Anybody know who he is? This is Benedict Cumberbatch. And his two most famous recent roles are as the voice of the Grinch, the furry green monster in the latest version of that movie, and he's played Doctor Strange in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right, so that was a fun little game to get started. I think this section right up here did best with figuring out who my celebrities were. But what was the point of doing all of that? Why did I just spend a few minutes of your time this morning showing you some different celebrity baby pictures? Well, just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated the birth of a baby on Christmas Day. But like The Rock and Jennifer Aniston and Benedict Cumberbatch, they aren't famous for what they did when they were babies. 
They're famous for what they did later on in their lives. And what matters most about Jesus isn't his infancy. What matters most about Jesus isn't his infancy. So as we start into this new year, we are taking a closer look at Jesus' life, a closer look at Jesus' ministry, a closer look at Jesus' teachings and even some of his miracles to better understand what it means that God became human when Jesus was born and that God lived with us on this earth. So this morning we're going to be looking at a story that happens just before Jesus' ministry began. So let me encourage you to grab your Bible, whether you've got a printed one like mine or an app on your phone, and turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to be taking a closer look at the story of Jesus' baptism this morning. Matthew chapter 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 13. This is the way that Matthew tells the story of Jesus' baptism. He writes, At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize him. John tried to stop Jesus and said, But I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me? Jesus answered, Allow me to be baptized now, because this is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water, and the heavens were, was opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. Now, can you picture this story in your mind when, when I read it to you? Can you picture Jesus as he stands on the edge of the Jordan River, his feet gradually sinking into the soft ground along the river banks, his eyes watching as the river goes flowing by. Can you picture Jesus as he lifts up his right foot and he takes that step forward, letting the cool water come slowly covering his toes? Can you picture Jesus as his foot hits the rocky bottom of the Jordan River and the jagged edges of the stone just start pushing into the bare soles of his feet. Can you picture it? As he's now ankle deep in the water with the gentle current splashing up against the hems of his clothes. Can you picture it? As Jesus continues farther into the river with water rising up, going past his knees and his hips, and he stops as the water comes just below his chest. Can you picture it? Because if you can picture it, if you can see Jesus standing in the Jordan River that day, you realize something about the story. As Jesus is standing in the Jordan River, he couldn't have been in a more ordinary place. He couldn't have been in a more ordinary place. He was surrounded by water. That's right, water. Good old H2O, the most common chemical compound on the face of the earth. The same stuff that covers about 70% of the earth's surface. The same water that makes up about 57% of the average human body. There is nothing more ordinary than water. Water. It's the stuff that flowed out of your shower heads this morning, helping you clean up as you got ready to come to church today. It's the stuff that mixed in with your coffee grounds and dripped into your coffee pots so that you could get a little caffeine kick to help you make it through another boring sermon. Water. It's the same stuff that flowed out of your faucets this morning as you were brushing your teeth or shaving your face. Water. 
It's the stuff that pours through our washing machines and our ice makers. It's the same stuff that your waitress or waiters are going to fill up, used to fill up your cups when you go out to a restaurant this afternoon. Water, it's the same stuff that's been falling out of the sky this morning and hitting your windshields or or your umbrellas if you've walked into church. It's the same stuff that's in this bottle that I'm going to drink from right now. Water. It's nothing more than ordinary water. And I've just covered the tip of the iceberg of everything that water does. And oh yeah, water makes up icebergs too. But regardless of how many forms that it may take, no matter how many uses we find for water, it's still just water. Plain old ordinary water. But when Jesus stepped into the water that day, it became more than just ordinary water. As the water was flowing around him, as he entered into the Jordan River, it was a reminder of something extraordinary. It was a reminder of God's extraordinary history with humanity. I've said this before, but it always bears repeating. Oftentimes when we run across the names of cities or rivers or or just certain names that we're unfamiliar with in the Bible, it's easy for us to rush past them because we don't know where they are. We don't understand their history. But for everybody that was first hearing these stories, whether whether the authors of the Bible were talking about a place or a river or whatever, these names held value, held significance for them. They meant something when the people heard them. It would be the same way today if I walked into the church and I talked about the Yum Center. You know where the Yum Center is. You know what happens there. Or if I mention the city of New York, you have some ideas of what New York are like. So when the Bible gives us a name, it's often reminding us of something important. And as Jesus stood in the Jordan River, it was a reminder of so many important events that happened through God's history with humanity. Because the Jordan River, The Jordan River was the same river that the prophet Elijah sent a foreign general by the name of Naaman to when Naaman had been stricken with leprosy. Elijah sent him to this river telling him to wash and that he would be made clean. And as this leper, Naaman would be, as a leper, Naaman would have been forced to the fringes of his society. If he wasn't cleaned, his life would have been changed forever. He would have been forced to leave behind his family and his friends. He would have been forced to become an outcast and live as an exile. He would have been forced away from his prestigious position inside of his king's army. He never would have been able to be close to another human being again. He never would have felt another handshake, another hug, another kiss. He would have been isolated and alone in the world. But when Naaman entered into the Jordan River, when he entered into the same water that Jesus stood in, During our story this morning, Naaman, when he stooped down and he started to wash, his leprosy was healed. His fate was changed because the water in the Jordan River, because of the power of God, restored his health, restored his family, restored his career, restored his very life to him. But the story of Naaman is just one reminder of God's history with humanity that plays out inside of the Jordan River. Because the Jordan River is the same river that the Israelites, the people of Israel, once stood beside, awaiting the return of their king. Their king had been forced away from his throne by a rebellion that was led by his very own son. But even though he was forced away from his throne, 
the rebellion led by his son would ultimately be defeated. And the king's son named Absalom would be killed. And with his death, the throne of Israel was vacant. So the people gathered around the Jordan River to see if their king would return. And then he did. Then Israel's greatest king, David, the one who was anointed by God's prophet to be the king over Israel, crossed that river. And as he walked through the waters of the Jordan, the rebellion was over. Israel's wait was finished. Their rightful king had returned to rule. Well, this too is only one reminder of God's history with humanity that took place at the Jordan River. Because the Jordan River is the same river that a wearied people once stood beside as they were waiting to go home. More than 400 years earlier, the people of Israel had been forced away from their land because there was no food or water for them. They had gone down to Egypt, and they had found reprieve from the famine and the drought that had driven them from their homes. But they found more than just food and water waiting for them in Egypt. Eventually, they found themselves under the oppressive thumb of Egypt's Pharaoh. They were forced to live as slaves for centuries. But God heard the cries of his people. God heard their pleas for salvation and release. And God ended their captivity, and God brought them back to the land that God had promised them since the time of Abraham. And as their religious leaders stepped into that flowing Jordan River. God stopped that river from flowing. God pushed that river a mile back up the stream, allowing the people of Israel to walk across the Jordan on dry ground. And as the people crossed over the Jordan River, they left behind an oppressive past. They returned to their homes. And God kept His promise. But that's just another reminder of God's history with humanity. The water itself reminds us as people of faith of more of God's story. Because as Jesus stood in the water of the Jordan River, He stood in a constant symbol that God has used throughout His history with humanity. As Jesus stood in the water, He stood in water that God had parted at the Red Sea to allow the people of Israel safe passage as they were fleeing Egypt. As Jesus stood in the water, he stood in the same water that had flowed from the rocks as the people of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, in the desert, coming back to the promised land, giving them something to drink. As Jesus stood in the water, he stood in the same water that had covered the entire earth during the time of Noah. And as Jesus stood in the water, he stood in the same water that the book of Genesis tells us the Spirit of God was hovering over when God began to create the heavens and the earth. And now, as Jesus stood in the water, the most extraordinary element in God's history with humanity was standing in the plain old ordinary water of the Jordan River. And that's when something extraordinary happens. When Jesus walks into the Jordan, when Jesus is baptized in the river by John, as Jesus rises up out of the water, what did Matthew tell us happened? We see it in the picture behind me. The heavens open up. 
The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, and a voice announces, This is my Son, whom I dearly love. I find happiness in Him. This whole story, this whole event is so extraordinary that all we can do after we hear it is kind of stop and scratch our heads. It kind of makes us wonder exactly what happened, or at least it makes me wonder what happened. Because whenever I read the story, I start thinking about different kinds of questions. I start finding myself wondering, now, what exactly did it look like when the heavens opened up? I don't know. It makes me scratch my head and wonder. Or I start wondering, did anybody else see the heavens open up and the dove come down beside Jesus? Or here's my favorite one. I start wondering, when the voice of God spoke, what did the voice of God sound like? Did it sound like the bass notes of James Earl Jones, or was it more the southern draw of Morgan Freeman? But the biggest thing that the story of Jesus' baptism has made us as Christians, as people of faith, wonder for centuries is why Jesus needed to be baptized in the first place. Because our church tradition, it teaches us that baptism is a symbolic act. And when we pass through the waters of baptism, symbolically, all of our sins, everything in us that separates us from God, is washed away from us. But Jesus was sinless. He had no sins to be washed away in the Jordan River. So we wonder. And we think maybe he stood in those waters as an example for all of us, showing all of us how our journey of faith with God is supposed to begin. Or we start wondering, we think, well, maybe, maybe when he went, entered into the waters of the Jordan River where everybody else's sins were symbolically washed away, maybe those sins symbolically clung to him so he could carry them to the cross. Or personally, maybe, I think sometimes, maybe it was just a hot day in Israel that day and Jesus wanted to take a dip in the cool water to cool down because that's how I feel when I get hot outside. But maybe we've been wondering about the wrong things. Maybe we've been asking the wrong questions about the story. Maybe we shouldn't be asking why Jesus needed to be baptized. And maybe we should be asking a more fundamental question. Maybe we should be asking a question that we, add, that we should ask, not only of this passage of Scripture, but every passage of Scripture when we come across it. This question is so important that I want you to go ahead and grab your bulletins, the sermon note section inside of it. I want you to write this question down. We're going to put it up on the screen in just a second. But I want you, this is a question we should ask whenever we are reading Scripture. All right? So David, go ahead and put that slide up. What does this story tell us about God? What does this story tell us about God? What does this story tell us about who God is, the nature of God? This is one of those fundamental questions you should ask whenever you are reading Scripture. What is this passage trying to tell me about who God is? And as we're reading the story of Jesus' baptism, we should be asking, what does this story tell us about God specifically as God is made known to us through His Son, Jesus? What is this story telling us about who God is as God is made known through us, through His Son, Jesus, to us? All right. Well, the first thing that this passage is telling us about God is that in some ways, Jesus is ordinary. In some ways, Jesus is ordinary. Now, I know that may be hard to hear, but don't tune me out because what I'm going to say next is the important part about it. Because when I say that Jesus is ordinary, what I'm saying is that in some ways, Jesus is just like us. 
Jesus is just like us. Jesus needed to drink water to survive. Just like us, Jesus needed to bathe in the water to clean himself up when he got dirty. Just like us, Jesus splashed and swam in the water on hot summer days to cool down. Just like us, Jesus knew what it was like to be thirsty, to be dirty, to have a good time, to have water roll down his face and the tears that he cried when he was sad. In theological terms, we talk about this as the imminence of God. The imminence of God. And when I say the imminence of God, this is just a fancy way, a theological way of saying that God is up close and personal. The imminence of God. God is up close and personal. God is not some distant God that is forever removed from us. God has walked this earth. God knows what it's like to be one of us. So Jesus is just like us. He knows all of our joys, and Jesus knows all of our sorrows. Jesus is just like us. He knows all of our pleasures in life and all of our pains. Just like us. Jesus knows what it's like to feel hungry, and Jesus knows what it's like to eat well. Just like us, Jesus knows what it's like to be surrounded by his friends, and he knows what it's like to be left all alone, too. Just like us, Jesus knows what it's like to laugh, and Jesus knows what it's like to cry. Jesus knows what it's like to be an ordinary person. But there's more to this story, too. Because the story of Jesus' baptism tells us that Jesus isn't just ordinary. It tells us that Jesus is extraordinary, too. Because not only does Jesus know what it's like to stand in the waters of the Jordan River, Jesus knows what it's like to stop the Jordan River from flowing. Not only does Jesus know what it's like to be immersed inside of the water, Jesus knows what it's like to walk across the top of the water. Not only does Jesus know what it's like to be baptized with water, Jesus knows what it's going to be like to baptize others with fire. In theological terms, we talk about this as the transcendence of God. The transcendence of God, which is a fancy way of saying that God is so much more than we can imagine. God is so much bigger, so much greater than our minds will ever be able to comprehend. We talk about the transcendence of God. We are talking about a God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. The God who not only made the waters of all the rivers, all the oceans, all the streams, all the seas, but a God that is able to part the Red Sea, so the people of Israel could walk through. A God that is capable of stopping a river from flowing so that people can walk through. A God who is capable of healing a leper as he dips inside and bathes inside of a Jordan River with nothing more than ordinary water. This story, the story of Jesus' baptism, tells us both of these things. It tells us about the imminence and the transcendence of God. It tells us that God is up close and personal Yet God is completely beyond our understanding and imagination. It tells us that God knows what it's like to be thirsty, and it tells us that God can provide water from the rocks. It tells us that God knows what it's like to be dirty, and it tells us that God can wash away even our dirtiest sins. It tells us that God knows what it's like to cry, and it tells us that God is capable of drying every tear from our eyes. It tells us that God knows what it's like to be hurt. And it tells us that God wants to bring an end to all of our pain and all of our suffering. But what about us? 
how does this story affect us? Well, Jesus is no longer walking this earth as a person. But we, as followers of Jesus, are called to be his presence, his physical representation on this earth. So what does it mean for us to be Jesus' presence in the world today? Well, it tells us that we should be up close and personal with the people around us. It tells us that you, that we should care about the people that are sitting beside us and behind us and in front of us, inside of our pews this morning. It tells us that when we go out to lunch this afternoon, that we should care about the waiter or the waitress serving us, and that we should want them to to make enough money to take care of themselves and their families. It tells us that we should want to see the homeless inside of our community find safe places where they can stay. And it also means that we should do something to help the people that are around us. So not only should we care about the people sitting in the pews around us, we should pray for the people sitting in the pews around us too. And we should talk to them. We should get to know them. We should know what's happening inside of their lives and see if there's something that we can do to assist them on the journey that we're all making together. It means that when you go out to lunch, you shouldn't just care that your waiter or waitress is making enough money to take care of themselves and their families. It means that you should drop down a pretty nice tip to make sure that they have the finances they need to take care of themselves and their family. It means that we should not only just care that the homeless in our community find a safe place to stay, it means that we should be willing to go out of our way to pick up a phone, make some phone calls, and help them find that safe place. What does it mean to be the presence of Jesus in the world today? means that we have to behave like Jesus, a God who is both up close and personal, and a God who is capable of caring for every single one of us. So when you hear the story of Jesus' baptism, don't just think about the water. Think about what the water tells us about who God is. A God that walked this earth but a God who made this earth. And think about what it challenges all of us to be. People that are engaged in our world, loving those around us, and caring for them too. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this story of Jesus' baptism. God, it's a story that often leaves us scratching our heads and just uncertain of exactly what to do with it. But God, allow us to see what the story tells us about who you are. You are a God that created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, including us. And you loved us enough to walk this earth with us, to experience everything that it means to be human. God, allow us to love others the same way that you love us, to be willing to go the extra mile, to love them, to care for them, Allow us to see this story, not just as another story, but a challenge to us to be your son's presence every single day. We pray it in his name. Amen.
Hey, it's Adam again, and thanks for listening to this week's sermon. We hope it's helped you learn a little bit more about who God is and helped you grow a little closer to God as well. In our next episode, we're going to continue diving deeper into the stories of Jesus' life by exploring the story of Jesus calling his first disciples, and we'll discover what that has to teach us about God. That episode will drop next Tuesday morning, and if you'll go ahead and subscribe, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're in your favorite podcasting app, let me encourage you to take just a second and write a review. Your review means a lot, and it will help other people find this podcast and grow closer to God, too. So thanks again for listening, and we hope that you have a great week.